Amen. Thank you so much, sir. I'm going to share with you all uh, this morning uh, the most uh, revolutionary truth that I've ever discovered in the Bible. And um, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Ephesians uh, chapter 5. I am going to use the traditional passage that gives the, gives the roles of husband and wife. Uh, but I'm going to share it from a, a, a different angle. And uh, I'll just give, you, just give you a brief testimony of how I've come to learn this truth. I was pastoring for about eight years in Albemarle. And um, I was working eight days a week. Uh, lived in the parsonage and was given my every minute and every, everything I had uh, to the ministry and really got out of balance, to be honest with you. Got out of balance between my family and ministry. <clears throat> and I hit a brick wall physically. Um, I, I developed a, a lump sensation in my throat. <clears throat> it was nothing there. I went to all the doctors, but when I would preach, and I was preaching three times on Sunday morning, one time on Sunday night, and one time on Wednesday night. And um, from the outside looking in, man, things were going great, but I was falling apart personally. And um, I'd been to the doctor in several, several years, and my blood pressure had gotten really high, and, uh, and I, I was so stressed, and I saw a... Um, saw several doctors, and the greatest doctor visit I ever made <clears throat> was I saw a psychiatrist. And um, I'm not ashamed to tell you, um, I went in and because nobody could find out what was wrong with me. Uh, they did every test on my heart and on this, and I just had this, I couldn't swallow for a year, it seemed like. <clears throat> and every time I talk about it, I kind of <clears throat> get a lump in my throat. But anyway, so I went to this uh, psychiatrist and um, he said you're a pastor and I said I am and I told him my symptoms and he said um, he said I know exactly what's wrong with you he said your textbook uh, we we studied about you in our training and he said you run out you ran out of gas probably six or eight months ago and uh, now you're living on fumes and if you don't do something Young man, you're going to die. And um, he said, I need you to take 30 days off from the ministry. I said, I said, sir, I can't do that. Listen to what I said. That church can't make it without me. Dear God, how proud can a man be? He said, well, go ahead and die then. I was reading in Proverbs and it said, oh, how I wish I would have listened to my counselors. And so I did the 30 days. I went to my church and I said, hey, look, I understand if you don't understand because I don't understand. But I'm going to take 30 days. And they instructed me, no social media, no, nobody around, not around any people. You've just got to sit down because you've been going so long. And I, and I did that, went back 30 days later. And three doctors said, you need to take 30 more days. I said, I can't do that. Well, die then. And, um, and I'll never forget what one of the doctors said. They said, right now, your church is willing to do whatever they have to do to get you back healthy. But if you go back too early and you digress and go through this again, they won't do this again. So I took 30 more days off. So I took 60 days away, uh, not by my choice. 
And God taught me during those 60 days that Jesus Christ is literally my life. He's not part of my life. He's not somebody I add to my life. He is my life. And the church belongs to Him. And I don't live for Him. He lives through me. And it's a revolutionary truth. And it's mentioned, um, it's mentioned here in Ephesians 5. And once you see a truth like this, it's all over the Bible. But I just want to, I want to begin in verse 15 and, and just read and make some commentary until I get to where I'm going. He said, see then that you walk circumspectly. We're talking about the husband God designed you to be. See that you walk circumspectly. We get our work circumference from that. That means as a believer, a believer, you're doing this. You're walking aware of everything that's around you all the time in a circle. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine and which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Then it gives the the wife role that my wife is dealing with this morning. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head, not the dictator, but the head of the wife. So also Christ is the head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Then here's our role. Husbands, love your wives. In the Bible, there are several words in the Greek New Testament for love. One is phileo. One is eros. That would be an intimate love. One is storge. None of those are used there. The one that's used there is agape. Here's what it's saying. Husbands, Agape love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. He, the church is the illustration that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she, the church, should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church, for we're members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And then he quotes, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The book of Ephesians is a, it's a beautiful book in the Bible. Uh, it's a balance between doctrine and duty. In other words, what you believe really determines how you behave. 
chapter 5, he's talking about us walking. He talks about that we are to walk in love. He says we're to walk in light. He says we are to walk in wisdom. But then now he comes and he, he talks to them. The writer talks to us how we're to walk in our marriage. How we're to, the word walk just simply means how you live, how you conduct yourselves. So the husband that God designed you to be. Let me see if I can set the premise for what I want to say to you this morning. When God created Adam or God created humanity, He created and designed Adam to literally live from the life that was breathed into his nostrils. The Bible says God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. So in Adam's perfection before the fall, he lived from what God breathed in him. And we know that he was created with a, with a will uh, that, that, that could go against what he was supposed to be doing. And when Adam sinned, you know that what was forfeited was what God breathed in, that spiritual life, left his, his human body. That's the reason everybody's born with a dead spirit. And then Adam uh, was placed, out, Adam and Eve was placed out of the garden, not as punishment, but as protection. Because if Adam and Eve had gotten to the tree of life in their fallen state, they would have lived for eternity separated from God. So God in His love and His grace and His mercy uh, placed an angel with a flaming sword at the entrance to the garden to keep Adam and Eve to get, to get back to the tree of life. God before that clothed Adam and Eve uh, with skins from his own sacrifice. So here's what we need to understand as husbands, and as well as Christians first. God designed you and created you to live from his life. There's only one person that can live. This is the revolutionary truth, Chris, that I've discovered. There's only one person that can live the Christian life, and it's not me. It's Christ. He's the only one. We can't be like Jesus. I don't have the ability to be like Jesus. He's God's only begotten son. Nobody in the room can be like Jesus. I don't preach Christ's likeness. I preach that we're conformed to the image of Christ and Christ does the work as we surrender to him moment by moment. All you got to read is John 15. It tells you all that. About him, uh, he, he's, the, he's the vine and we're the branch. And so God designed every husband just like he did Adam. Adam was the leader of his family and God designed every husband. He designed you to be the spiritual leader of your family. You say, well, I don't know how to do that. I don't either. You don't have to know how to do it to do it. You just got to let Jesus be himself and he does it. I mean, it's a message that takes the... And I'm not teaching passivity Christianity. I'm, I'm teaching what I believe is Bible Christianity, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I mean, it really, without me, you can do nothing. I can't be the husband God designed me to be without Christ. I can't be the Christian God designed me to be without Christ. 
I can't be anything without Jesus Christ. And so I said to you last evening that God's designed for us as husbands and you guys when you will be husbands, you're the priest of your family. I mean, you're the one that uh, will be held accountable before God for your wife and your children. That's just the way God set the order up. You're the protector of your family. You're, you're the provider of your family. But then you, when we come to the epistles after Pentecost, the Bible compares our marriage relationship with the Christian's relationship to Christ and the church. And God designed our families, honestly, to be sacred because marriage, the relationship between husband and wife, really is a sacred representation of the relationship between the believers and the church. So if God designed the family to be sacred, then only what Christ can do in us can be successful. The greatest truth I learned was that I can't do anything. You know, when I come back from that 60 days, I had a guy tell me, because my message changed, because God got me in uh, just in isolation, if you will, for 60 days to, to really change my philosophy of ministry and to change what I believe Christianity is. And uh, one guy said to me, a preacher friend, uh, he said to me, he said, I, I, I know what God's doing to you. I, I know what's going on, but I can't tell you. And I said, why? He said, because if I tell you, you'll become my disciple instead of his. Do you know that every man that God uses greatly, He has to hurt them deeply. Every man that God uses, He has to hurt deeply. And so, when I came back to the church, this is the message that I've embraced for over 10 years now. He said to me, He said, when you go, when you go back to your church, there's going to be some people that liked you better sick than they do you being well. Because God's hymn, and the devil didn't have anything to do with this. People say, man, I pray the devil gets off my pastor. The devil didn't have anything to do with none of this. This was God getting me where I needed to be so that I wouldn't be a proud, arrogant preacher and Christian to draw me closer. And it was true. There's 50 or 60 people that left our church when I, get by, when I came back because they liked me better sick than they did me well and after meeting with God. So here's the truth. If we're going to be the husbands that God designed us to be, the first major thing that has to be in our life, we got to learn to live from the life of God. Learn to live from the life of God. He says, and do not be drunk with wine. In other words, don't be intoxicated, impaired with wine. Some people say, is it a, is it a sin to drink? I got, a, I got another question. Is it a sin not to be filled with the Spirit? That's the real question. Because if I'm filled with the Spirit, I won't drink. 
Y'all looking at me crazy now. <laughs> Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipate, but be filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled? See, you can't be, we can't be the husbands God designed us to be if we're not filled with the Spirit. Let me see if I can break it down for you. So when you got saved, I pray you men are saved. If you're not, you need to be. I tell people, if you're not saved, it's your fault. If you are, it's God's fault. Because he has to do it. So when you got saved, Ephesians 2, 1 says that your spirit is dead. You are dead in trespasses in sin. That our spirit has to be quickened. So when you get converted, God, he takes up residence in your spirit by the Holy Spirit, raises your dead spirit from the dead, makes you a new creation in Christ. And the Bible says if any man is in Christ, all things, you're a new creation or creature. That's because you got a new spirit. Now God doesn't take my depravity away. He doesn't take my sinful nature away. You know, there are some one nature guys. I think they got it wrong. You call it what you will. There's something inside all of us that's prone to gravitate towards sin in every one of us. But anyway, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your spirit. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. So if the Holy Spirit has never invaded your spirit, I don't care how many times you've prayed, I don't care how many times you've been baptized, how many churches you've joined, you're not a New Testament Christian. Because in the New Testament, the Spirit invades and wakes up, makes us alive in Jesus Christ. Read Ephesians, it, 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 it'll tell you all that. So, God takes up residence in my spirit. The word that's used here is love. Husband's love, that's agape love. What's the difference in agape love like intimate love or, or uh, sensual love is eros uh, friend, friend, friendship is phileo, and, and then there's just acquaintance, storge, and all that. But this is agape. This is the supernatural love of God. And Peter says that the agape love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So if I'm not filled with the Spirit, there's no way I can be the husband God designed me to be. Watchman Nee wrote two really good books. He didn't really end well, but he wrote some stuff good when he was, when he, when he was right. Uh, Watchman Nee wrote a book called The Natural Man, The Spiritual Man. And here's what Watchman Nee says, and I 100% agree. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit, to live from the life of God? What does that really mean? You've you got to understand, and we're going to get a little deeper here than, than I was out there. You're a trichotomy. You're, you're body, soul, and spirit. We know that from 1 Thessalonians that he'll sanctify you wholly, body, soul, and spirit. In other words, your body is what we can see. Your soul is who you are. And your spirit is where God lives if you're a Christian. The animal kingdom, uh, the plant life is only body. The animal life is body and soul. In other words, my little Teddy, he's getting old like me, but he's, uh, he has... He has a body that I can see, but he's got emotions. 
And when I get on him, he puts his tail between his legs and he, he responds. He's got emotions. But Teddy don't have spirit. Humanity is the only creation of God that has body, soul, and spirit. So when you get saved, God wakes up your dead spirit by the Holy Spirit. But to be spirit-filled, God has to get access to your soul. That's your mind, the way you think. That's your will, the way you choose. That's your emotion, the way you act. And so here's what Watchman Nee says, and I agree with him. See, I can be a Christian and not be spirit-filled. It doesn't mean I'm not a Christian or I lose my salvation. But God's got to get control of my soul if I'm really going to be the husband God wants me to be. Because the only way I can is with the agape love that God gives me. See, Eros love, it, it may... It may work sexually, but it doesn't work spiritually. Does that make sense to you? And so for God, for me to be, this is the major, major doctrine for us to be the husbands God designed us to be. We've got to be filled with the Spirit. So how, how does that work? We've got to be broken. Here's what Watchman Nee says in his book. He says, God's in your spirit, but there's got to be a highway out of your spirit for God to get access to your soul. And that highway is brokenness. I'm not talking about tears and emotions. I'm talking about us just being willing for God to override and for God to control the way I think, the way I choose, and what I do. I don't always want to love my wife the way Christ loved the church. Maybe y'all are more spiritual than me. Anybody? Anybody different? I mean, it's tough at times. Yeah. Amen? If we're honest, it's tough. They're not perfect. <laughs> not, not, they're not perfect like us. I'm kidding. <laughs> but listen, only God, only the Spirit of God, taking control of your mind, your will, and your emotions, it, that, that's what brokenness is, just willingness. God, I, God, I can't do this. God, I, I can't be the husband you want me to be. You're going to have to be this for me. And that's what faith is, cooperating with what God is doing. And then, and then surrendering to Him and just letting Jesus be Jesus. John 15, here, it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Jesus taught that right before, uh, several hours before He would go to the cross. He's transitioning them from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. And He said, hey... He said, I'm the vine and you're the branch. And he said, he said, the branch, without it being connected to the vine, you can't do anything. But he said, every branch that's in me, I'm going to prune it. Every branch, I'm, I'm going to prune it. In other words, God's always working on us. It's the abiding principle. So it's a moment by moment Moment by moment, abiding in your relationship with Christ, whereby God gives me His ability for me to be the husband God designed me to be. In other words, i got to live from the life of God. But we hear language that says different. 
And brother, I'll tell you right now, you need to live for Jesus. I used to say that. I don't say that anymore. How's that working? I can't live for Jesus. Jesus lives for me. And by the way, in salvation, I don't give him my life. He gives me his. I mean, it's, it, it's, a, it's the exchange life. That's what the preachers I was talking about last night. That's what they preach and believe. Southern Baptists used to believe that years ago. Years ago. So the first thing is, we got to live from the life of God to be the husband. He said, he said women aren't perfect. Hey, they have um, about 12 times a year, they'll have a week that they, they'll be very, very imperfect. And only Christ in you cannot go off on them. I'm just telling you. That brother, he's, he's, that's connected with you, isn't it, buddy? You understand? <laughs> but listen, Jesus can. Jesus can. That right, buddy? I'm telling the truth. Jesus can. He's the, Jesus is the one that he shut the, the lion's mouths in the den. Many times he shut Stoney's mouths while, he, while he's in the den. You with me? Yes, sir. Be filled with the Spirit. This is the key to being a husband God designed you to be. So we've got to live from the life of God. Secondly, we've got to love them from the love of God. The word used here is agape. See, apart from Jesus Christ, in the believer, the only person I would ever care about would be me. I'm selfish apart from Jesus. I'm self-sufficient apart from Jesus. I'm tight apart from Jesus. I'm prideful apart from Jesus. But when the agape love, when the Bible says love one another, he's talking about letting the love that God put in you, which is his love. Let me say it to you this way. I love my wife with the same love that God loved me before I was a, before I was a Christian. Because I have that love in me now. That's agape. So God puts it in us. And, but, but if I'm not abiding... In Jesus Christ all the time, you say, do, do you ever get out of step with God? Are you kidding me? That's when we repent. Repentance is an ongoing, it's normal for every Christian. I mean, we, we think it's abnormal. We think when people come to the altar, they got a problem. They do. We do. As you, as you receive Jesus Christ... As you, Colossians, as you therefore receive Jesus Christ, so walk in Him. Let me ask you a question. How did you receive Him? You repented and you believed. So as I'm, the only way I can be the husband God designed me to be, as I'm walking with God, when He shows me me, I repent, and, we, and when He shows me Him, I believe. It's an ongoing process. But I love Missy with the love that God has given me. 
And listen, if it wouldn't be for Jesus, I could not love her the way Christ loved the church. He said, love your wives as I love the church. What he's saying is, let me love your wife through you. And she'll see Christ in you. I mean, it's, it's an incredible, it's an incredible truth. And so we love from the love that, that, uh, that God has, has put into us. And then lastly, lead from the leadership of God. Listen to what he says. He says, for the husband is the head of the wife. What, what does that mean to some of you guys, that you're the head of the wife? I want you to talk to me for a minute. Sir? Leader, something else. What, is, what does it mean that you're the head of the wife? Well, that's good. You bear responsibility. So as God leads me, then I lead her. Let me make a confession, confession to you. I'm one of these pastors that uh, I think transparency communicates. I really do. The hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I can get up and preach. Chris, I can prepare a sermon. I was taught how to do that in school. The hardest thing for me in my Christian journey is my, when my wife is to open, y'all going to think I'm not even fit to be in the ministry. It's to sit down with my wife and children and open the Bible and read it together. How many of y'all are good at doing that? I don't believe there's a man in the room that's good at doing that. You say, Bo Stoney, have you every night, did you have family devotions every night? No, I didn't. And Missy would say to me, our kids are going to turn out to be a failure. And I said, Missy, listen. There are times that we had family devotions. But what our kids need more than anything is to see me and you walking with Jesus. And when our kids are around, we're talking about spiritual truths and principles all the time. I mean, if you would, if you would listen in on our conversation... I am not telling you you should not have family devotions. Don't hear that. I did not say that. But I'm telling you, them hearing you talk about Scripture, them hearing you applying Scripture, is really what counts. Because you can, I can sit down as a routine and read them the Bible but if we talk about life circumstances where the Bible's been put to practice and there's a spiritual truth that always comes up, from my estimation, that's much better. Again, you didn't hear me say you shouldn't open the Bible and read it to your kids and your wife because I believe we should. But if God's not leading me, how can I lead my family? Are y'all with me? And so what I'm trying to say is, now here, here is something that's a non-negotiable. Every day, guys, every day, 
you need to get somewhere with God in a quiet place by yourself with an open Bible and an open heart and let God speak to you. And it doesn't have to be an hour. You know, you don't have to read three chapters. It's not the, it's not the quantity. It's the quality of time. Because that's the way God leads you and I. So we gotta, we, we got to lead our, our wives by the leadership of God. So here's the progression that I see the husband God designed me to be. First of all, I've got to learn to live from the life of God. Second of all, I've got to love my wife and children from the love of God that God gives me. And then I lead, I'm the head, or I take responsibility, or I set the example by the leadership of how God is leading me because I'm with him in his word and he's talking to me from the word and I'm talking to him back or communicating with him in prayer. And so um, Jesus is the only one that can be the husband you need to be. So we got to let him be himself. And so I, I guess I want to just close it out by saying this. Jesus Christ is everything. I mean, He is the Christian life. And you do know that He came to live as man, not as God. Bill Stafford was one of my favorite preachers. Bill Stafford said, Jesus did not come to be your, He didn't come to be Lord, He was already Lord. He came to be your life. In other words, He came to live as man, as the, as the first Adam failed and did not live from the life of God, the second Adam, Jesus Christ, came to live as Adam should have lived, and then he went to the cross and died as man in a perfect condition. See, I don't believe Jesus had a sinful nature. I don't believe it's possible for him to sin. He went to the cross and died for us so that the Spirit of God had paid the price, satisfied God's holy demands of of the law and the just holiness of God the Father, then sent the, and he's there now, by the way, interceding, and I'm saved as long as he's still there because I'm in him and he's in me. Read your Bible. I'm already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But then he sent the Holy Spirit to give light to every man that comes into the world and went, good gracious, this is good stuff. And when I am willing and when I'm willing to repent and believe, then I believe God enables those that are willing to repent and believe. I receive Christ. I receive His life. And now my number one goal in life is to live from the life of God every day. It's pretty simple, but it's profound, if you know what I mean. Okay, be the husband that God designed you to be. Let Jesus Christ live through you. Let Jesus Christ love through you. Let Jesus Christ lead through you. Listen, He don't make mistakes. And when you get out of fellowship with God, just repent. 1 John 1, 9, repent and confess your sins. Okay, 11.43, I did really good in this session. Amen. Amen. On time. I mean, I did good in content, but I did it on time.
can I pray for you guys? And we're going to go and up to the sanctuary. Lord, thank you for these men. And God, every man in the room, God, we want to be the husband that you've designed us to be. But Lord, we know that we can't unless Christ does something in us that we can't do for ourselves. And Lord, I pray you'd teach us to abide, abide moment by moment by moment. Lord, that, we would, that you would get access to us and we'd get access to you. That Lord, you would, we would get your mind and we would get your life. And so thank you in Jesus' name, amen.